What's up? It is, for me, on the East Coast, Monday morning, July 10th, the year 2017, if someone's listening to this five years in the future. (laughs) So this is the podcast Making Sparkles, a podcast about not making the musical Sparkle Pony Bear. If you're curious why we're not making a musical called Sparkle Pony Bear, please refer to previous said episodes of Making Sparkles, a podcast about making the musical Sparkle Pony Bear. Um, I, just because of my SoundCloud account and how everything's linked, I'm just keeping the name the same. Uh, (laughs) So today, what are we going to talk about? All right, so today we're going to talk about... The, the feedback and comments on the second pass that we talked about in the last episode from my new project I've been slowly developing called the Book of Arius. Um, we're going to talk about scene work. Uh, we're going to talk about steps forward with the project, what I'm doing, workflow, get all through that. Um, I promise I'm going to do my best to remember that I'm telling you I'm going to talk about this, so I actually do talk about this. I go back, I re-listen to these every once in a while, and then I find that there, there, there's a lot I, I forget about. I'm like, oh, oh shit. Um, <clears throat> but before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, what you heard in the opening will make more sense later on. Uh, today's theme is horror music and the internet. Um, (laughs) uh, So before we dive too deep into the nitty gritty, um, just wanted to share a little bit about how I feel like I almost fell through the Twitter K-hole and became an internet troll. And so I'm going to to very humbly admit (laughs) and tell you about this. So, (laughs) okay. So, not that anyone listens to this, thank God. But it's important for me to admit when I'm wrong. And I think that in today's political climate, when you have a president like Trump, uh, when you have a Republican-led Congress that's trying to take away health care, when you have so much going on, it, it reminds me a lot of the old Bush administration, Bush Jr., GW. Um, and I, for you younger people, you may not remember this, but this was around like the 2000s. I was actually just getting out of the Navy. Um, yes, I was in the Navy for two years. Long, long story. Again, tortured, abused little boy from Iowa. But uh, there was no Twitter. I think at best... We had MySpace. I don't even think MySpace was... No, MySpace wasn't even around yet. Um, people were still using dial-up. So so during the Bush administration, it was very difficult for people to communicate and talk about this. And I think because of that, artists such as myself were able to really dig deep in the well creatively. I even... I went back and because of all of my research, I've been listening to some of my old scores from that era. And I find that... There are some really interesting themes and situations, and especially like after 9-11, you know, art was your outlet. In today's time, <laughs> we have Twitter, Facebook, Snape, Snap, Snapchat, <laughs> Snapchat, Instagram. We have all these different 
um, delivery mechanisms. And I feel like as an artist, because procrastination is key, we, we procrastinate. So, or I procrastinate, sorry, I should make this about myself, not about artists as a whole. And when it's late at night, may or may not be stoned, um, and you're going through it and you're just, it's just like you're getting hit with a, a power washer, like a super industrial strength hose. You're getting hit in the face with all of this information, all of these people that are talking about all these things that are happening in politics, all these things that are happening with all these people. It's just, I, I'm old. I don't remember or understand. Like, I, I just, it's such a new era. <laughs> And I, in general, am a very hot-blooded human being. I get very worked up. And sometimes, okay, all the time, I speak out of turn. I don't think I just kind of let it regurgitate. I think from a creative standpoint, that's great because it allows me the ability to get out the message and then be able to go back and fine-tune it. This is also why I have a music supervisor, so that I'm not just shitting all over the page and then throwing it out and going, look at my beautiful shitty page. It, instead, there are checks and balances that allow me to be the artist I am while at the same time kind of creating a barrier between myself and the public at large. Um, this is also why I don't have a very huge social media footprint because a lot of the things I've been working on have been kind of coming out in small, slow dribbles because I'm still trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. I <laughs> I started by getting very confused. I was on Twitter, and Dan Savage had retweeted something that someone else had tweeted about this porn actor named Cor Colby Keller, <clears throat> and how he's you know he's he's a gay porn actor, and how he's loving his queer hip hop, and he called out this queer hip hop guy named Leaf. And then Leaf responded to him to tell him to delete the tweet because the gay porn actor voted for Trump. It's very contrived. Very, very contrived. What gets worse is I at, at well, actually, the, this is at 8 in, in the evening last week, thought, and, and this is what I said. What gay Twitter K-hole did I just fall into? Listening to a gay porn actor is equivalent to ta taking Sarah Huckabee seriously. At face value, it was innocuous. I wasn't thinking. Unfortunately, I didn't really think about the audience. And Dan Savage, and, and rightfully so, has always been very pro-adult um, film-oriented. He's very sex-positive. Not, not oriented, but just... He, <clears throat> he's always been a strong advocate for the rights of all. And, and porn actors are still actors and they're still performing. I don't know. You can hear it. It's difficult for me to really wrap my head around. But I understood that what I said was very, was very ill-advised. And so Dan Savage replied to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I'm famous. There are some smart, informed, and insightful porn performers out there. He's not one of them. And then I apologized, and I said, well put. I was being snarky, and I was out of line. I'd much rather watch porn than listen to Sarah Huckabee. I don't know. I just, I really hate Sarah Huckabee. I think she's everything that's wrong with with the, the White House press relationship. Anyway, um, but the person that originated the post, Ira Madison... 
he tweeted at me, or he replied with, you probably thought this was a really smart contribution. And it really, really hurt me. Because I was like, because I agreed with him. I completely out of line. And I think what woke me up about this was just how easy it is for any of us to become internet trolls. How, how probably in the deep recesses, I felt so, for lack of a better term or expression, I, I was looking for attention. I think as an artist who used to have a modicum of success and, and notoriety, um, I've kind of held back a lot more in my, my later years. Um, I'm not as vocal. I don't promote as much. I don't even really do shows anymore. Uh, and a part of that is just about my own developmental growth and what I'm trying to achieve and what I'm working on. But, <laughs> again, I, I, I see what I did wrong. <laughs> Ira Madison is dead correct. <laughs> Although I will say I don't think it was a smart contribution. I think it was just me trying to be snarky gay. And, and I even admitted, but then I even in my reply, pseudo-apology still made another snarky <laughs> remark. I just, sometimes you can't help yourself. The aftermath, though, is 26 likes and counting, which I know for most isn't a lot of likes, but that's a lot of likes on a diss on me. Um, Ten people unfollowed me. <laughs> and and there are people still commenting on how great Ira Madison was for calling me out. So oh, it's been, it's been stressful. Um, now, the first thing I could have done was deleted the, the reply, um, but I chose not to. And I chose not to because I felt like, again, in the theme of shame, not again to you because this is going to make sense later on, but this segues into the work I'm doing and what's happening. And, and I think that by deleting that, I was basically just turning myself into another internet troll who, who got called out. And instead, what I wanted to do was leave it there at face value and go, we are all human beings. We all say stupid shit. The difference is, do we step up? Do we apologize? And do we just let the error be what it is? And I have chosen to at least leave it there and just try to step back. But at the same time, I feel like at this point, responding or apologizing <laughs> may only further inflame everyone. So, I don't know. What do you think? Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. It's T-C-C-R-O-S-S-E-R. -S -S -E I don't know. Do you think I should apologize? Do you think I should say anything more? Or do you think I should still let this go? I normally wouldn't care, but people are still liking and responding to this thing. <laughs> I don't know. But... At its core, this has to do with shame. And, and I think shame can be both a good thing and a negative thing. And now, back to our regular scheduled programming. And we're back. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I've been testing out some new... Recording music is very different than recording a podcast. I, 
I've been monkeying with bit rate and hertz rates, and right now I'm recording this at 24-bit, 96 kilohertz on a Shure SM58 beta. Um, it's difficult because you're going to bounce this down to an MP3, and when you're talking about like hours-long podcast episodes, you know, that file size gets pretty deep. So then you have to dither it down, and then you reduce the bit quality, which reduces the sound. I, I, so I'm still monkeying. So if this thing sounds a little fucking jaggedy, don't, don't kill me. I'm, I'm still ironing out the kinks. <laughs> Fifteen episodes later. <laughs> so originally we, and I won't bore you with it since it's on the SoundCloud. But um, so I took a first, a uh, first and second pass at the opening of the Book of Arius. And and just to kind of summarize, the Book of Arius is basically a story about these three individuals from three very different points in time, all sharing the same reoccurring dream. And through that, they are able to communicate with each other. Um, and And basically, the nuts and bolts is they all share a secret, or they all share this very buried kind of memory or experience. And so the whole point of the show is about all three of them working together to navigate through these this dream sequence to figure out what this buried memory in dream is. Um, it has taken me so long to be able to succinctly <laughs> explain the show in that way. <laughs> um, it, the iterations alone. Um, so, so having the groundwork down, um, I developed kind of a workflow with my music supervisor, Kaylee, who I always talk about and never have on this podcast. Um, <laughs> and so the, if you heard it and please go back and listen to it. Um, so Kaylee and I have a couple of different outlines and Google docs and Google spreadsheets that we kind of communicate with. The most important one is my, is a very kind of color coded, crazy Excel sheet. And the Excel sheet is per song. And basically how it runs is I break out all of the different sections of the piece of music as rows. And then I color code and write out in the columns, like, what am I trying to say? Who is the character that's trying to inhibit this? I put my own notes. I put marker, like time, like time stamps, like second 57 or minute one, second 12. Clearly I'm missing the Sylvia Spice, <laughs> like that. And then that way Kaylee on her own free time, because I don't pair that much, is able to kind of go back. And then she will have her own column where she adds notes for those specific time markers. Um, it just, it keeps things much more organized and, and it actually allows me to work much faster. Um, there's also a visual component to this that I really enjoy because if something sounds great, you don't really need to make a note on it. You could just be like, this is great. Or, you know, something like that. Things that require more effort or things that aren't hitting the mark because of the nature of the note, they're going to kind of stand out a little bit more. So first pass was our first kind of attempt of feeling out this workflow. So it was a little bit touch and go, but pass two, immediately what, what was showing 
that needed to be worked on was this whole reoccurring theme called the darkness. And, and I call it as a shorthand, the darkness, but really what it's representative of is this buried memory that all three of them seem to share, but none of them really know what it is. They, they probably have inclinations, but they just, it's buried. So Kaylee's doubts, it was like, every time the darkness came up as a reoccurring theme was this huge thing of notes. So immediately I was like, oh, okay. So so I, I visually and, and, and as like kind of a shorthand, I was like, all right, so the this darkness theme definitely needs work. Um, but then everything else was pretty good. Like there was a couple notes like, okay, maybe a transition here, um, you know, assigning a viola, very small, very easy to fix notes, but the darkness really kind of stood out. So then I took that and I... I kind of revisited my outline, my narrative outline of what this is. And so so what I did was I broke the entire show into 13 segments. Um, and so this is segment one all the way to 13. And I kind of loosely plotted out what needs to happen. Um, and then when Kaylee kept going on about the darkness, it, I realized it's because I haven't actually written the darkness. I'm making it up as I go along. I'm just kind of like throwing out a bunch of crazy shit out there. <laughs> so, so it naturally was like, oh, okay. Well, then clearly I need to write the darkness. I need to actually get this out. And and so when I started really thinking about, well, what is what does this um this repressed memory this this trapped kind of dream that they can't access what does this really mean to them or why what could be so terrifying or what's so horrific that they couldn't unlock it and I think if you've listened to previous podcasts you already kind of have a feel for where I'm going with this but I think what ultimately I'm realizing is it's shame see call back to being an internet troll (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so so it was the shame that really was driving me because I think from my own past experiences, I felt like shame was a very important component to control me. And so I, I needed to think about this piece not just as more kind of cookie cutter, like, oh, it's dark and spooky. It's more the driving mechanism is to feel shame, to be ashamed for your actions and to be so ashamed and have that shame be buried so deep that it would allow you to kind of repress this this whatever this thing is that they're all three of them trying to explore and determine and so that that's where I kind of set out and that that is where I set out on my journey so we're, we're going to take that and we're going to set it to the side because as I'm doing that there's a lot of things that are going in tandem because then I start to kind of figure out things like like what we were talking the last podcast is any of this sung is it all instrumental? Is this supposed to be television episodes? What 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 is the format, and what am I trying to say? And I don't have definite. I don't want to have definite, but I'm definitely refining that. So when I go to so then I have to go. Then the very next logical step is okay. I have to write this darkness, but where is this darkness within these thirteen segments? Like there has to be a climax point. And if you follow more narrative, typical narrative structure, you know, you kind of go at the end of act one, launch into act two, or maybe to act halfway point of act two, and then you close it out. 
I'm very big in threes. I'm a very triplet-oriented writer, both lyrically, composition, narrative. I, I, triplets are kind of my wheelhouse, the, the triad. And so 13 segments, and I was like, okay, well... I actually think that the big reveal isn't necessarily what the actual memory is. I think that to me in my head, the climax is more about the realizations and the things they make along the way and how realizations can adversely affect you. So, so I kind of went, okay, so it's not, it's not the middle or the climax. So then I decided, okay, so it's going to be episode 13, the very last segment, and I'll call it episode because it's easier to say, um, the, the very last segment is going to be the darkness. And so then knowing that, I kind of go, okay, so obviously this will have a multi-pronged component to it because you can't just end in darkness. So I was like, well, so there may be some bookends before the darkness, after the darkness, within the the, the segment 13. But I was like, okay, so now, now I know the very last segment is gonna have the final, like the darkness. Um, so because I did that, then I'm going back and I'm kind of revisiting all 12 prior segments to kind of see where I would pull from, where things are kind of coming from. And so then I take all of that and then I kind of put it off to the side. And so as a weird, <laughs> so I got new headphones. <laughs> I got the, well, they're not new design, but I finally caved in and I bought the $99 Seinhauser HD 280 head monitor headphones, which I'm actually wearing right now. And I absolutely love. I couldn't recommend them more. I'm also realizing I still, because these headphones are so good at isolating sound, I was like, what is that weird reverberation? Oh, I still had my main speakers on. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny um little start little audio oh yeah we do that all the time um so i took the headphones out for a test drive out in the real world um as i've kind of said i live over by kind of over by the times square area of new york it's insanely loud um, I hate noise-canceling headphones because it actually degrades the audio quality. I'm an audio quality purist, which is why I also hate Bluetooth speakers, because I can hear the difference. As a side, like, I was also seeing, like, on Instagram, they were trying to promote this, like, record player, but it was just, like, a stick of plastic that you put on top of the record but there's no analog in outputs instead it streams to you on bluetooth and i guess i was a bit of an internet troll because i put a comment on there going doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose if if you're taking an analog which was built for analog and then you're digitizing it and sending it via bluetooth like, I could understand maybe if you digitized and sent it, like, Wi-Fi, the bandwidth would be a little bit better, but, but I was like, I, I don't understand. Anyway, <laughs> so on my monitor headphones, I'm kind of listening around. I love J-pop. Um, I love the band Mrs. Green Apples. Um, I love, um, actually, I've been getting really into, like, Japanese hard rock. Uh, there's a band called Total Fat. I think I've put out about them on Twitter before, but, um, so it's just, I was kind of like digging and jiving, but I liked it. I never really, but I think part of the reason I like it is because it's so different than what I would typically write. And so it just kind of like frees my head. 
Um, but at a certain point, I wanted to test more progressive music on my monitor headphones. So I started listening to Perfume Genius, who I've always loved, utmost respect. And I kind of was mixing between Perfume Genius and St. Vincent. And I was listening to St. Vincent because she just put out a new single called New York, and I think it's brilliant. And I don't know what, but in that walk, in that testing those headphones out and listening, something kind of jarred loose in my head. And I kind of realized it's like the best of both worlds. I think instrumental movements need to be instrumental movements and sung movements need to be sung movements. And I feel if this is a culmination of all of the work I've done up to this point, it should include both. So then I was thinking, okay, if I have 12 segments, because 13 is clearly going to be um, the darkness, then I started figuring out, and the very first segment is entirely instrumental at this point, then I kind of went, okay, so following in the triad, you have three acts. Each act is four segments long. There's three main characters. I already have an opening that's only been written as instrumental at this point. And then that's when things started to really start cooking with gas. Because I was like, okay. So then I started revisiting the outline. Because uh, I'm on my iPhone on my little Google Drive app. And I was like, okay. So segment one's instrumental. Segment two, we talk about Tristan because he's kind of he's kind of the uh, patient zero of all this. At least he's the he comes in the earliest of the the three timelines. Um, then episode segment three, we talk about Sylvia because Sylvia's got something to say. And then we have segment four, which is Arius. And I kind of do this. I do it more chronologically just because we ourselves are not like superhumans that perceive time as this kind of like <laughs> fluidity. There's there's not a fluidity to time yet. And I think that hopefully in my work, I'll be able to kind of figure that out a little bit better. But so, so then something started to kind of stand out like a pattern. So I was like, okay, so of the four segments per act, there's one that's going to be entirely instrumental. And then there are going to be three that revolve around one of the characters or maybe multiple characters. But there, there's three that kind of stick. And then those themselves can be sung because I do like singing. So, so uh, I think what I'm really saying on this podcast is it's really fascinating how just by starting with a simple note of having to develop a movement about this darkness and then figuring out that it's about shame but then because of that looking at the bigger picture of the project everything itself also augments and starts to mutate and starts to make sense um if you're a writer or a composer you're probably jiving with it a little bit at least i think that if you're listening to this purely for i don't know why else you'd be fucking listening to this <laughs> but but for all of us in the house, I think organization is key. And what we've just developed is an entire structure that kind of like makes sense of all of this. So so the, the, the TLDR is that there will be singing and there will be instrumental. It'll be the best of both worlds. Um, it's going to follow a three-act structure um, with an additional kind of 13th final episode that kind of helps summarize the three acts in some way. Um, and, and just, 
yeah, so, so we've kind of followed that. Now that I have that, I'm able to kind of go back and I'm able to kind of jimmy rig. How I further jimmy rig this is then I kind of go back and go, all right, so if these characters are going to sing, where do I take this? Um, and so what I thought would be interesting and what I'm kind of building on, because again, I'm trying to explore their inner psyche and their emotions. And I, my concern was if I start going into their real life and their real life perceptions, things get a little, they just get a little too on the nose. So I thought instead kind of mutating it and augmenting it. <clears throat> and so what I've been doing is I've been taking kind of anecdotes of my own anxieties, nightmares I've been having and kind of using those to incorporate into these individual sections that are actually going to be sung. So with section two, which is on Tristan, because I'm really talking about shame for the very final episode, and I look at Tristan as patient zero for what that shame is, I actually start with a very innocuous shame dream memory that he has, which is actually one I had. So I'm always, like, shame is, like, my default state. <laughs> so I remember freshman year of high school I was friends with Matt Jensen no one else liked me Matt was kind of always a bit of a prick and I think we were friends because at one point in like shop class like everyone was making fun of him because he was a bit overweight and I told them all to shut the fuck up and I was like stop making fun of him and then at some point he kind of respected me and we became friends. But then, I don't know, it, you know, I, I get in the backstory. But at one point, and this is kind of shows his character, he kept betting me in choir to call Mandy Prawley a skank. And, <laughs> and you have to understand, Mandy Prawley, you know, she's a lovely human being. Um, I still see her on Facebook. Um, I, you know, even growing up, like there, there's nothing, she was one of those that just like, she didn't stand out of the crowd, but she always came off as very sweet and very nice. Like it, it was just kind of one of those things where it was like, oh, there, there, there was nothing, there, there was nothing skank-like about it. And I think that's what made it all the more innocuous in my head at the time. And because I was so desperate for praise and I had no friends and so much crazy shit was happening, especially in high school towards the peak of me getting the fuck out of there. Um, I did it. I said skank. But I said it right at the moment when no one else was talking. Like literally right at the moment where everyone quieted down. I was like, skank. And I just remember like... Everyone was just in shock, first and foremost. And then I got called in to the office. Um, I was supposed to go to this all-state choir competition. I was removed from it. I was supposed to audition for some other thing. I didn't get it. And, and all of this was linked because I called this person a skank. And in my head, I didn't understand really what was going on because it was just in my... See, we're getting back to being an internet troll because... People, it's like if you don't take a second to think about what you say before you say it, and then you just say it out there, no matter how bad it is, it still is going to confuse you because the intention of when you said it at the time you said it was innocuous, but the meaning resonated in such a way with everyone else that it no longer became innocuous. It's kind of like a troll, right? A troll ends up when you shed the, when you put the flashlight on them, 
and show the world what a troll they are, then everything kind of opens up and it becomes this huge big fucking deal. And <clears throat> see, I'm I'm tying this episode nicely. It's a little bit more boring, but <laughs> it's, you know. So even today, I'm still a fucking internet troll. I guess that's the main message of that. But <laughs> yeah, I I had to take a break after that. That was <laughs> I was just like, ah. I I I do love that it all kind of circled around. I think the main the main message I'm stating is that. In the past, I had a much, there was much more rigidity to the rules and structure I put in place in what I was creating. I kind of came in and was like, I already came in with a mindset that was very clear in my head of what I wanted. But because of that, I locked myself in and I put myself in boxes. And I think looking back at my previous works, works that I'm still very proud of, I think the core the core issue I have with all of those works was it was too rigid too early on so that by the time we realized that things needed to change, it was too late to change them. Or because of my own stubbornness, I was like, but I made this rule, I have to follow it. And, and the problem is no one else really heard it. No one else really cared. It was all just in my head and I was the one that was having this issue. So by having just like the concept of time by having more fluidity and being more open to this um i was able to really kind of crack open the outer shell and really try to dig deep and be able to at the same time kind of buffer and fine tune and kind of add things if i had gone into this going it's all sung or gone into this immediately going it's all instrumental or gone into this immediately going it's all this one thing i don't think you would i would necessarily be able to grow this out and evolve this even I think even the plot line right when I very first started this um it was still kind of in the vein of Sparkle Pony Bear Sparkle Pony Bear was about a kid who inhabits his consciousness of when he was back in high school and it was very bio it was very autobiological <laughs> it was very <laughs> word salad it was very autograph autobiographical I think then looking at like other works, I was able to kind of augment that and make it no, no longer just about myself, but about three different people. And then beyond that, you know, because the iteration after Sparkle Pony Bear was that this was about two people. This was about uh, a guy who makes a huge gaffe online, <laughs> right? How telling is all of this? Um, makes a huge gaffe online and then a woman that kind of uses that as a way of showing what's wrong with society. And then the back and forth and making it more about the third character being the media. Um, and then that kind of developed further into some... See, it. so this has just evolved significantly to a point where now we can kind of reduce this into three characters, three separate times, sharing the same reoccurring dream and communicating with each other to unlock a buried experience that all three of them seem to also have. Um, that would not have come out of the top of my head. And also, I would never have gotten to that point if I had more rigidity 
or I was using the same kind of techniques I'd been using. Um, it's also why I have this podcast because a lot of these techniques and things I'm sharing about, like having an Excel sheet where I break out every single marker in a song and then communicating with the music supervisor via that, having an outline of the whole project and, and having a willingness to modify and change all this as I'm going along. Like, this is all new. This is why I'm talking about it. Um, I'd love to say it's all about you, my five listeners, but really at the end of the day, this is just kind of like an audio journal. <laughs> it's a dream journal, um, an audio journal of, of my progress and, and what's happening. And also because maybe years from now, I look back and I listen to these and I see how I further grown and how I further need to grow. Um, and I think that is all we're going to say on that part. Uh, so huge broad stroke. So so we've done um, our second pass of the opening segment. From that, we realize that there's just this reoccurring theme section that wasn't really developed well. It isn't being coming out. So then I had to realize, well, where does this theme come from? I realized it comes all the way at the end of the thing in segment 13. Because I started working at the very end, I started to realize an outline was coming to shape and coming to fruition about these characters. And so a structure started to kind of loosely develop from that. I also realized that the core concept that I'm kind of delving into with the darkness actually has to do a lot with shame. So so all of these things are kind of building and stewing at the same time. So I knew that the darkness was going to have to be dark. <laughs> <laughs> and I also wasn't quite sure where I wanted to go with it. I, I wasn't completely certain, like, what the right steps or actions were going to be from that. So, because I've never really written... I wrote one horror score at one point years ago called for, for a, a short film called Iconographer. But it wasn't really a horror film, because at the end of the day, it was about a white guy that became Muslim. It was it was just really it was just really stupid. Um, and then on top of that, then there was another one that was called well, the artist was also kind of horror themed, but that ended up being more comedy. And then there was another project. What was it? I can't remember. There there was a one horror score I did write years 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 ago, but I I don't even remember what came of any of that. So. I went on Twitter, <laughs> and not being a troll, I went ahead and tweeted one person I like called Joe Lynch. Joe Lynch is a director. Um, he does a podcast I listen to called uh, he uh, at the er, he has a podcast called The Movie Crypt um, that I actually uh, it gets a little out there every once in a while, but I actually really do enjoy listening to it. Um, Joe Lynch himself is a horror film director. He directed Everly, um, things I won't mention, but he, he's always been kind of like, I wouldn't call it like BD-less director. It's just, he's very true and faithful to the independent horror genre. Um, so I tweeted at him and I was like, hey, can you recommend any really good horror film scores for me to kind of pull from? And he... <laughs> <laughs> like literally 15 minutes later, 
I, I'm pulling it up right now. I'm sorry. I should have pulled this up sooner. Um, immediately just tweeted back at me. Halloween, The Omen, Deep Red, Hellraiser, Alien, Nightmare on Elm Street, dot, dot, dot. And what was incredible about it was that it gave me a really, really excellent starting point. But then also, like, this entire flood of his fan base started also pouring in. And they were also making recommendations. And they were also saying stuff like, you know, why didn't you say Psycho? Or, <clears throat> you know, uh, what was it? I think Psycho came to mind. Um, Dawn of the Dead, Poltergeist, Jaws, Superior. So basically, there's a lot to pull from. Ultimately, what I kind of gravitated the most towards was kind of a combination of the guy that did the score for Hellraiser also did the score for The Exorcism of Emily Rose and a couple of other ones. Uh, Christopher Young, I believe his name is. Yeah, I think it's Christopher Young. Um, but then on top of that, also kind of really digging deep with like the Omen soundtrack. Um, and because I can't remember his name, Jerry Goldsmith. So it was kind of a combination of Christopher Young and Jerry Goldsmith. And just, I kind of created this very long Spotify playlist. And I was just playing this, like, on all of these songs on a loop. And I do think it did create some mental disturbances, but, <laughs> but it was helpful. And this is where Twitter could be good. And even at the end of it, after all this exchange, and me even kind of going, yeah, this is great, and this is where I was at, and this is where I'm going, even he was like, you know, he's like, He's like, I think TC has a bunch to choose from. There's so many good horror film scores out there. It was just really nice to see someone that I look up to tweet back and be nice. <laughs> I like when people are nice to me. That's what my boyfriend's always laughing about. My boyfriend's like, you'll do anything just for a compliment or for someone to just be like nice to you. And I was like, yes, because kindness is like the most amazing thing ever. Anyway. <laughs> So, so now that's where we kind of lead in. I think I'm going to, as always, I'm going to take a quick break. I'm going to go back. I think we've covered everything except what I've done for the darkness thus far. I may be missing something. And I've got about 15 minutes left on this old bad boy. So I will get back to you in just a second. And I'm back in just a second. Like a flash. The wind flash. Okay. <clears throat> so, again, I took Christopher Young's work which is funny because I kept getting confused because Christopher Young is a kid that I went to elementary and high school with. We didn't go to the same middle school that I remember. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so so I'm just going to throw it out there. So what I did was because as I was developing the darkness, I still don't have a conclusive what does this all mean? I, I have emotional palettes to pull from, and I have a lot of different ideas. So I felt like <clears throat> in the theme of fluidity, I just kind of threw it out there. I just kind of threw caution to the wind, and I just kind of templated out a bunch of ideas, and then I kind of hacked away and further refined them and further fleshed them out. And taking these inspirations and things, this is what I came up with.
Yeah, so <clears throat> what you hear isn't necessarily a cohesive narrative structure. What you hear are just these very different sections of kind of climax points. So I threw that out, threw it at the music supervisor, good old Kaylee, and I was like, all right, th these are just snapshot ideas. Um, and she liked it. I think <clears throat> definitely pulled the right balance of shame, also horror, kind of kind of all these things. The thing that I was noticing as predominant in a lot of horror scores is the payoff, right? So all of these little sections in my head are just payoff points. And what usually happens is you've got like five to ten minutes of something a little bit not muted, but a little bit more either happy or maybe more just kind of like dramatic, it, it, but not not in the angsty point, but just more kind of like it's the build up, right? It, it's the lead ups. So so <clears throat> because I was just trying to really quickly take the the meat and potatoes and just pull it out, that that's how I kind of developed that. And so then Kaylee was rightfully so like I'm very curious to see where this goes <laughs> and instead of because originally my instinct was to keep hammering away at segment 13 until it was polished and I had an actual official first pass and figuring out the narrative and figuring everything out um, but as I kind of talked about earlier be because I was going through and I was also developing a stronger outline I was developing a stronger kind of thematic, uh, you know, kind of uh, structure to things. Uh, because everything is still fluid, I, I don't think I was, I, I don't feel like I'm at a place that I'm ready to actually write segment 13 yet. I think where I'm at right now is I've got the building blocks and the strong emotional points. So at least now I know this is as dark as it goes, or this is the, the, the peak climax points of darkness to pull from. So now I can go back to segment one, um, rescore the darkness, darkness segments, knowing that I have these intentions. Also pushing forward in segments two through 12, knowing that this is what the darkness sounds like, this is what reverberates in their heads. Um, so the hope is once I start, as I keep building out the other segments and how those sound and how they relate to this, I'll also be able to start putting through a first pass on segment 13. So I think the moral of this process for me getting here is... is well, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say or the main point was by not just focusing on one thing and trying to get that as perfect as possible, but instead having fluidity and realizing that the things will evolve and change as I progress and write um, has allowed me a lot more freedom and, and also given me a little bit more calm <laughs> and a little bit more confidence in <laughs> what the fuck I'm trying to do. Uh, yeah, so I think, well, I think that's where, I think that's where we're at right now. So, I think that I've given a very thorough explanation of my process. Um, didn't delve too deep into the technical, um, but for those nerd geeks, I, I'm using S East West um, Studio sounds for my strings. 
Um, and if you notice on that, I, I'm putting them through the same distortion filters that I kind of developed for some of the rock music I produce. Um, kind of my signature sound. Um, just, again, sound palettes, just kind of pulling that out. Uh, but uh, I think, you know what? This will be the shortest podcast episode I've done. <laughs> but again, you can follow me on social media. Um, all social media, all of them, the T-C-C-R-O-S-S-E-R, T-C-Crosser. Um, Spotify, you can find me on Spotify. Uh, it's T.C.Crosser. There's no space between the T dot and the C dot. Um, that that even myself searching for myself on Spotify has created confusion. <laughs> I, it's just it's just the way the music publisher put my stuff out there. <laughs> um, I don't have anything else, so I'm gonna leave it with that. There's no catchy ending. Thank you guys for listening, um, hearing me rant and rave, and yeah, take care. Bye.